Hi there, this is Dan Delta Collins. You're listening to Wandering DMs. Wandering DMs is broadcast live every Sunday at 1 p.m. Eastern Time on twitch.tv slash wanderingdms and also youtube.com slash wanderingdms. We hope you enjoy the show. Hi, everyone. Welcome to Wandering DMs. I'm Paul. And I'm Dan. And hey, is it hot enough for you? <laughs> anyway, that's what we're talking about today. We're talking about weather systems in D&D and what gives a good texture for your role-playing game or war game. And also one of the trickiest spells to adjudicate in all of D&D. All that and more today on Wandering DMs. Um, before we get into that, I'll remind all our viewers, as always, that uh, at the end of the show, uh, we will have our after-party chat. Uh, so that's at 2 p.m. Eastern. We get onto a live video call via our Discord server with all of our patrons, and we uh, continue the discussion for another hour. So if you would like to join in that, you can do so by simply joining our Patreon at patreon.com slash wanderingdms. Join in at any tier, and uh, you'll get access to our Discord server. Maybe get that rolling now so that you're not scrambling at the end of the show, and uh, we'll see you there. We love that so much. We are back. Uh, we 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 took two weeks off, kind of by accident, last two weeks. So we're. I'm personally so happy to be to be back uh, with the Sunday show. And also shout out. I think this is uh, Gen Con weekend. I think Gen Con is wrapping up today. Oh. So shout out to anybody who is there. Uh, maybe watching as they're going into their recovery phase. Um, so hope you had a good time there. Uh, we, we're talking about weather here, and obviously uh, it's it's high summer and it's it's gotten hot in a lot of places, so that's on our mind. And also it has been super important in our Book of War playtests that we've been doing on the channel every other week. Um, we've actually tweaked the weather rule a little bit in our war game a couple weeks back. And uh, the the last session we played, the weather was so incredibly critical that we replayed the game twice. So the last two episodes of Book of War, and I've got links in the description on YouTube here, have been really interesting because we played once in uh, cloudy weather with this, with two armies, and we went. We decided to go back and replay the exact same setup with the exact same armies, just with different weather. And it came out completely vastly different. So I think that was a really interesting experiment on Book of War the last two episodes. And you might want to go back and, and look at that, actually. Um, so at least the way we've got it set up there, the weather can make an enormous, just a, an enormous, huge difference in your war game or your wilderness play or your role playing game. So we're, we're looking to kind of try to dial that in. Um, so I, I've been thinking a lot about how weather has been handled in D&D over the years. And maybe we'll start today with like kind of a, a run through the the historical path of all the things that I personally have tried. I tried sure. many things with sure. weather, and yeah. I bet Paul probably you haven't. Probably you haven't tried well, the same things, is what I'm guessing. I mean, the, the interesting thing, Dan, is that when we came up with this topic, uh, I thought it was very timely as well for radically different reasons. As our viewers know that I'm I'm working uh, diligently on getting my horror RPG Fearful Ends onto Kickstarter uh, coming this fall. You heard it here first. Uh, I'm narrowing, in, narrowing in our start time this fall, we'll see the Kickstarter launch. And um, uh, yeah, so uh, it's on my mind because one of the things I recently did for Fearful Ends is I wrote a, a sample adventure to go into the appendix of the book. Uh, so the little sample scenario that you can run. And tomorrow night, I'll actually be recording an actual play of myself and a few players playing that sample scenario. And guess what? That sample scenario features a horrible storm. So there you go. I'm very much in the headspace of how weather impacts a story and environment and um, maybe a little less in the D&D world and more in just general tabletop role play of how, how weather can impact your setting or 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 even your plot of uh of your of your rpg so i have some different thoughts on that i think we'll get to me at the second half of the hour we're going to start with you dan and talk about uh how it's affected your wargaming that's great it makes it makes such you know when it comes in it makes a huge difference right in all these different and for me i'll say that in me tweaking my oed rules the weather has been the hardest thing right because it can potentially touch on 
the role-playing characters, the, the war game, the wilderness exploration, and it is, at least in original D&D, it's the final ultimate spell on the list. It's the last spell in for wizards in the little brown books. It's the, it's the, it's the biggest thing because it can potentially affect all these things. And for me, attempting to make something that kind of is consistent in all these things um, is potentially a really big challenge. So I totally feel that. Let's run through, let's run through what's happened in classic D&D. And so I have a bunch of text heavy images here, Paul. Uh, I, I do have them color coded today, actually. So if you pull up yeah. the red dot, we're going to be looking at chainmail, right? 1972, pre-D&D, actually. Uh, this is actually optional. And you can see that if you if you want to use weather and chainmail, you roll a D6 at the start of the game. And you're basically, if you look across the top, you're going to get one of three, of re three results, right? Roll one, two, three, it's clear. Roll four, five, it's cloudy. Roll six, it's rainy. That's your starting result. And then from turn to, I guess, every other turn, you can roll another D6 and see if the weather changes on the fly during the fight. More or less, it's either clear, cloudy, or rainy. There's some extreme results there for heat or, or hard rain or something like that, but basically just a D6 with three different results. And that's chainmail. Interesting. Right. So we, we never get into the more severe cases of weather, huh? We don't we don't see hurricanes or tornadoes or snowstorms or anything of that of that variety. None of that in here. It's just this half digest page and it's yeah. just heat, basically is it clear or rainy. Yeah. 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 Right. Right. And again, it's one of these one of these systems that that that, you know, you have to remember what it was because it's going to chain from turn to turn. If it if it's currently rainy, it's likely to continue to rain, right? And could shift one step back to cloudy, maybe. If it's cloudy, it could shift either to clear or rainy, basically. Um, which is which is one option, which is interesting. But you know, very simple. So it, it, like like you asked, Paul, you know, what if you want? Clearly, there's more interesting things that can happen with weather. Um, so a couple of years later, uh, Dragon Magazine had the first of a couple of articles, and this would be like the orange dot. Um, what would this be? So this is Dragon Magazine number 15, uh, and you get a two-page article by David Tillery. Um, what is the date here? Mid-76 or something like that. Um, and so this has a slight, so two pages dialed in mostly for the role-playing game. And here you have, you can see a number of tables that kind of cross-index what terrain you're in, what the season is, spring, summer, fall, winter, something like that. And you can, and it actually has an option of you can either determine the, the weather on a daily basis or a weekly basis. And there's really just no difference, just the DM just decides. You wanna do it daily, you wanna do it weekly. Um, and then they, for, for a little bit of extra detail, they have like, well, in this season, you should roll a different type of die. So if you roll a D4, you're probably gonna get like a hot sunny result. And if you roll a D12, you're more likely to get like a rainy stormy result on these tables. And then you have about a page and a half of effects. And they're pretty, they're pretty detailed for my taste. There's things like, like, like a 2% like a or 5% chance of getting frostbite or something like that. And interestingly, in the top right, the effects of weather uh, sync up with um, Dave Arneson's disease system in Supplement 2. So things like frostbite and heat stroke are considered diseases and kind of fold into that same kind of complicated system, frankly. So I've I've tried to use this in a campaign and thought that it looked promising. And, you know, I, I for shorthand, I call this the Tillery weather system. But again, the the in-game effects get really prickly to handle. And it's like a particular percentage for this kind of clothing, for this kind of weather, for this kind of disease. And then the diseases can affect your ability scores. And of course, your ability scores go down and then you have to recompute your hit chances and move rates and things like that. So mm -hmm. I, I, I tried this and kind of moved past it a while back. That's that's fascinating to me because the, I mean, certainly like the first thing that comes to my mind when I think of the the effects of weather in a role playing game is is travel, right? Like that's usually the first thing that's impacted even to this day, right? Horrible weather comes and planes stop leaving your airport or whatever, you know, um, right. 
you know, or maybe you don't want to get in your car because it's too dangerous. So um, it's interesting to me that it's so indirect that it's, is it only affecting movement by uh, impacting your ability scores through a disease? <laughs> that uh, seems let me, I, I have to dig in. I haven't looked at the specific details in a little bit. Uh, maybe I can pull this up. Um, oh, such Okay, so... Like in cold, you've got to wear warm clothing, and there's a 15% chance of hypothermia. If the party does not stay warm, then every week of cold, there's a 10% chance of contracting pneumonia, but a 15% chance of getting the flu, and a 50% chance of getting a cold. If they stay warm, then the chances are 2 and 5 and 25% respectively. If the party travels in this weather, then there's a 25% chance per week of 1 to 6 points of frostbite. Any combat in this weather is at minus 1, and all morales also at minus 1, but any reptiles like dragons or lizardmen cannot move at all in the weather as it is too cold yeah that's and then there's so, 15 other right but it's really focusing in on the effect on the characters which is interesting to me right there's no environmental right there's no like well the past might just be snowed in and you just can't go this way anymore right <laughs> there's none of that right although there's we see none that. Of that we see that in those modules right you and i once played uh, the yeah. the blizzard pass solo module i think and the whole plot there is based around like yeah this path that you're trying to get through is getting snowed in yeah yeah mm. it's interesting so most of these systems are like on a daily like what's happening today and they don't and, and most of these systems that i've encountered don't have things like you're talking about like um accumulation affecting yeah. over a longer period of time and not mm. to be there yeah this was dragon number 15 julian So I, tried, I mean, it I seems tried that very now. It seems very wargamey to me, right? Because that's really the question that's going to be on the tip of your tongue for a war game. It's like, okay, we're in this space right now. The forces are assembled. We're about yeah. to battle. What is happening yeah. right now, and how is that going to impact our ability to fight? Yeah, I mean, you know, the game is yeah. a medieval yeah. war game. Yeah. <laughs> So, you know, we're still we're still in this mindset where that that is the, the instinct of what we're going to do. But, Paul, I'm hearing what you're saying. You're saying, Dan, this is not detailed enough. This doesn't really represent <laughs> oh, real world weather like I get from modern meteorology reports. So I'm looking for something more comprehensive, Dan, is what I'm hearing. So the oh, um, so the, so so I got so I got this, right? This is Dragon yeah. Magazine number 68. And you can see that it is well, it is well worn. This is probably one of the top two or three Dragon Magazines that I really poured over and, and made a big effect on my play for some time. And I have a screenshot here. It's going to be the, the yellow dot there. And it's this, this really extensive article by David Axler uh, called Weather in the World of Greyhawk. And I guess David Axer was a player of Frank Metzer's, I guess. Um, mm -hmm. And he specifically took Gary Gygax's World of Greyhawk campaign setting, which gives you locales and terrain and latitude and longitude and everything there is in the back box set, and took basically real world weather reporting and mapped it specifically to those lines of latitude. Um, and so you have uh, what, what hex is on the map or what latitude, and then you have uh, daily high and low temperature averages uh, per place. This goes on for about 12 pages, Paul. And so, so yeah, by yeah. month, you have uh, sunrise and sunset and uh, dice you can roll for low and high temperature. Um, and and remember, remember, Paul, the world of Greyhawk has two moons. It doesn't have one moon. It has two moons. Mm -hmm. So you get you get you get new moon, full moon, quarter and three quarters for each of the moons across the year for the both the moons. Well, let's see. Here. I got to like get the uh, uh, <laughs> um, you get the get the wind table. You get the wind effect table, and you have the special special precipitation table here that takes up a whole page. We're we're about a third of the way through here, and then you have I just, the standard the standard. Please, table please stop! And, please stop, Dan! Please stop! <laughs> and then there's then there's this, and then there's more, and then there's a. I got I got a credit here, Eric. <laughs> World Ender, who who said of your copy of Dragon Magazine that it's weathered. <laughs> yes, yeah. I'll tell you, you know, it's an uh, interesting theme copy because they have a dragon flying in snowy weather on the cover. There's an article here on adventuring in the ice age. 
Um, they, it, it's, it's kind of a really interestingly themed article. It's kind of like all, mostly all about weather throughout the article, but this is kind of the, the, the key. And in the centerpiece, um, you know, this, I mean, Paul, I, I understand you're saying, Dan, these tables are a little complicated. How am I going to remember these in game? But fortunately, the centerpiece came with a cardstock replacement DM screen. They had a, they had a three panel cardstock DM screen that you could use at your table in place of your normal DM screen just for all these weather tables. Why? <laughs> this was included in the later World of Greyhawk box set. This was made official oh, by Gary oh. Gygax and actually included in the next publication oh. of Greyhawk. So oh. it's canon, fanboys. Oh, jeez. Oh, boy. Oh, boy. I, I, tr I tried yeah. to use That's that. Did you? How, how did it's it go? It's official. It's official for Greyhawk, so the, where, the way my mind worked in the 80s is like, that's what I'm going to do. Uh, yeah, I, I, I had to move past it at some point. <laughs> <laughs> I am not surprised. Oh, my God. I got okay, a headache so just Paul, watching I'm hearing... you all that. Oh, jeez. <laughs> I'm hearing you say, Paul, that's, that's not fit, quite fitting the bill. I want to play advanced Dungeons and Dragons, not some little 12 page article at a dragon magazine. I want the full Monty advanced Dungeons and Dragons. So a couple of years later, you get a hardcover book, right? You get the AD&D <laughs> Wilderness Survival Guide by Kim Mohan. And this sucker is 128 pages long and more or less it's doing that. There's more in here, but the core of it is this whole, all these black pages here is a whole weather system Right, which actually, I guess I have screenshots of some of the stuff. It's going to be whatever the next one is. The green dot. You get you get these, and you get you get letter codes. It's going to be one before that, actually. Sorry. Do I do I have the, no? I right. I sorry. I, there was too much for me to make a screenshot. I'm wrong. But but there's this okay. table, and you have temperature codes A B C D E F G, and these sync up with the with the seasons, and then these sync up with this table here. And then you go from this table to min low temperatures, and there's also heat and humidity uh, for the heat index, and then this in the daylight. And then you go back to the ability score table to modify that, and you modify yeah. your character ability scores, and then your hit points and your adjustments go up and down and up and down. So so believe it or not, I, I do own a copy of that book um, because here's my main yeah. memory of that book. And I also, that book, and I think there's a second one, there's like maybe the Dungeoneer's Survival Guide or something like that. Yeah. came out maybe around before, a similar time. Uh, I, have, totally. I have copies of those books, which have got to be like the best, the highest quality first edition books I own, right? They look like fresh off the, off as the press. As far as the and printing, like, yes. Yeah, as far as yeah. the printing goes. But yours do look like, yeah, yeah. Look like that right. as well. Because here's my memory of those books. Right. I believe there was something, yeah. something happened where those books way were way overproduced for how well they did in the market. And that TSR just ended up with crates and crates of these things. Um, and I know this because I remember going to Gen Con in kind of maybe the, the 2E period, maybe uh, in the, in the yeah. mid to late 90s. And they were just handing yeah. these books out like candy. They they cost zero dollars. They yeah. if you wanted a yeah. copy, they would give it to you. They just wanted to get rid of them. Yeah, I think, and I think I remember them being packed together at like a budget in like Kmart or something like that. As you could get the two of them wrapped together for like five bucks at one point. Uh, really okay. great point. You know, it's got some nice art in it. You know, it has a lot of like Holloway. We were talking about paranoia last time. There's a lot of uh, Holloway paranoia like. PCs getting hammered in a bunch of semi-comical, horrible ways. Um, so I kind of, you're right, I kind of like looking at the book a lot of times. But but I, again, I tried to use this, right? It's, a, it's official AD&D. So I also tried to use this. And I will say, I actually do, you know, and if you get some use out of this book, that's great. But I actually do blame this book for actually destroying my college campaign. And, you know, <laughs> bad on me for being low CD. I, I actually went into sessions and sat in here riffling page to page to page to determine the weather while people were exploring. And basically, that terminated the campaign. Um, yeah, I could see that. And, I, would, I would not want to play you know, that I'll game, say, Dan. I'm sorry. <laughs> no, you shouldn't. You shouldn't. And, you know, sometimes you have to hit rock bottom before you start to recover. <laughs> right? 
And that was my rock bottom. And that was my moment where not everything that's published with the TSR imprint is usable in my game. And yeah. it hadn't crossed yeah. my mind before that, mm -hmm. honestly. Mm -hmm. So I, I was on the path of recovery from that point on. <laughs> I would say. Maybe, maybe you can pick some bits and pieces out of there, but I have a lot of scar tissue about that book that it just like, it didn't, it wasn't, wasn't working for me. So, um, you know, we have had for, for what generally, it's worth, I mean, my second edition game when I was in high school was also destroyed by a book. Um, although that book was Drow of the Underdark and, uh, we can talk about that mm -hmm. another time, but that, yeah, 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 I definitely have had a, a single publication just wreak havoc on a campaign in the past that has happened. <laughs> Interesting. Interesting. Yeah. Maybe we can get uh, Mr. Salvatore back on and get his, his opinion on that. Possibly. Um, so in D&D, &D, mostly like the rules have had much lighter weight weather since then. Um, uh, you know, but but nonetheless, you know, some of us like I was really intrigued by the, the Greyhawk weather system. And I was, you know, trying to tune stuff or come up with lighter or heavier weight stuff. And it's at the very least, it's an interesting modeling challenge, I guess. Mm -hmm. um, and so, you know, people have made uh, web apps for the Greyhawk system, and I've got a link to one in the uh, YouTube description here. You can try it out your, on your own, see what the results look like. Um, and and, I, and I've, I've investigated, you know, weather and climate and meteorology, trying to come up with a system that would that would work well. I've tried a couple of thing, different things in my games. Other people have done that as well. Uh, and I will point to um, a product in the OSR from a couple of years ago. It is called the Almanac of Fantasy Weather. And this is by Oaks Spalding in 2018. And Oaks kindly sent a copy to me uh, to look at. And I probably should have written a review about it. I have a screenshot of this, the cover to the Almanac of Fantasy Weather. Mm -hmm. And so the way what, what Oaks does here for your OSR type games is he pre-maps out. It's all done for you. He pre-maps out daily weather uh, for some time in, I guess, 10 different climate categories. So there's woods and mountains and deserts and you know temperate plains and things like that, day to day for eight years each. And so you get the Almanac of Fantasy Weather, and this weighs in at 1,130 pages of daily weather. Wow. And so you can just look up, just like, I'm, I'm here, I'm running my campaign for this eight-year period, and you can just look up, day, you know, year three, day number 55, and you'll see that day's weather in the desert or whatever. Jeez, I have, um, I have you enough have trouble... I have enough trouble in my campaign just tracking a calendar. What time of year is it? Like that is enough book work for me uh, in my campaigns. Uh, I can't imagine <laughs> doing this level of weather. And and the, the big question that comes to my mind is ultimately to what end? Yes, you could, and this does feel like a, a use for software. Like, yeah, you could have very complex software or very trivial software, whatever you want, but something that is at least going to just be a quick, you know, click on my phone or whatever and be like, just tell me what the weather is today. I, you know, do all your modeling and all your whatever, but maybe just let me select the terrain and the time of year or whatever and, and give me the weather. Why? Why do I care, Dan? Who cares if it's raining or if it's hot out? I feel like this is our segue to part B of the show, Paul. I think this is a, this is a good time for that. Before I go, I will say, you know, I looked at Oak's work, Almanac of Fantasy Weather, and I, and I thought to myself, I might have done this and I'm so glad that Oaks did it so I don't have to. Because mm -hmm. I really, I look at this and I really felt this is the kind of thing I absolutely would have done myself. And I'm, I'm so glad that Oaks did this project. And if it is something, a, a way that you want to use it, um, it's, 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 it's so thoughtful and it's, it's so complete. Um, that's, that's an option. Okay. Okay. I mean, that page yeah. count, though, definitely Which strikes I, me as, as a reason to maybe only want a digital copy. I don't think I want a print right. thousand-page yeah. book at, at hand just right. to tell me what the weather's going to be. <laughs> right. Uh, yeah, uh, that needs to be a digital, a digital form. You're right. Yeah. But yeah, you know, it's interesting because, so you asked the question, why are we doing this? And yeah. I'll confess, you know, there have been times in my life 
where I that wasn't on my mind. It was, you know, like the weather system. Is it is it right? Is it not right? Is it does it match actual weather? That's the thing that was on my mind. So, um, you know, I actually went through like the world of Greyhawk weather system, and you know, David gives almost no like he as an example. David Axer gives very little motivation to start. The main thing he says is that um, uh, it was the modules that are set in Greyhawk particularly uh, G2 Glacial Rift of the Frost Giant Jarl and G3 Hall of the Fire Giant King, which um, caused me to recognize the need for a weather system that was consistent with AD&D rules. And obviously those are two, you know, very scenic adventures, one in an Arctic glacier and one in a volcanic mountain range that seems you ought to be able to conjure those kinds of effects. But yeah, why, this, why are we doing this? Yeah, it's it's interesting because like I mean the first thing that comes to mind of course is just scene setting, right? The GM probably wants to tell you like, okay, well you 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 know strike camp and you head out on the road today and here's what it's like, right? Uh, the thing is though, I think it is difficult for a group of you know six people sitting around a table uh, in a comfortable living room or dining room or basement or wherever it is you're playing your game and empathize with what is it like to be on the back of a horse in a wearing armor and there's a light rain. Right, like most players, I think are going to think about that for half a second and go, "Yeah, that probably doesn't feel very comfortable." <laughs> the end. Right? <laughs> are they gonna? Maybe if they're super into the role playing, maybe they might have their character grumble a little as they talk about other things. Oh, this weather sure does suck. But I mean, who wants to sit around role playing their characters talking about the weather? <laughs> I someone does right. I, my experience is that for any crazy thing, someone does. Uh, I will confess, like it, it's interesting. Once is it interesting? Two or three or four times, or five or six times over the course of a season? And probably that probably even I wouldn't say that's super interesting. In in my mind, the the purpose of weather has got to be either one just general atmosphere, which is fine. That's nice. And I'm reminded mm -hmm. of like video games, right? Like I've. There are plenty of video games like MMOs that emulate weather systems. And it is interesting when suddenly it starts to rain and you're like, oh, this feels like a real world. It's raining. Great. That gives me a little more immersion. Awesome. But that, that, that feeling that the player gets of immersion there, that lasts maybe five seconds, right? And you go, okay, whatever. It's raining. Fine. Right. <laughs> um, so that, that, that's not valueless, but I would say it's very low on the totem of things I want to spend brain cycles on trying to get right in my role-playing game. Um, and then there's the other uh, side of the coin, which I think is extreme weather, right? Where it's it's the weather is so strong in one direction that it is impacting things like my ability to travel, my ability to see, uh, whatever that is. Um, and I'm sure you have stuff for this, Dan, right? Like, isn't this ultimately, I know when you run Book of War, you always begin with a role for the weather, which actually does impact gameplay, correct? Yes, absolutely. And, and that's basically my thesis nowadays is that your, your result has to directly impact gameplay. Otherwise, I'm probably not going to do it nowadays. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And I even and I'll even say some, you know, my so so as, as, as a conclusion here, I actually have accidentally returned as people watching the Book of War know, I've actually accidentally returned back the chainmail system. And I didn't mean to. Over over the years, I was actually studying like percent of days that are cloudy or rainy in, in France or New England or things like that. Um, and I it, like like at one point I had a 2D6 system. And then I was like, I think I would like it just to, to one single D6. And I had it at, um, uh, one to two sunny, three to five cloudy, six rainy. And then it was pointed out, you're literally one pip off from original chain mail at this point. Why not just go back to that? And that's what we did about three weeks ago. So I'm I'm actually right back to that same system. It only has three states. And yeah. uh, sunny has specifically the effect that it's going to make uh, goblins and orcs have trouble. Uh, thank you. Thank you for pulling us up. Um, cloudy is where everything's neutral, uh, including goblins and orcs. And then rainy, I have a fairly severe rainy effect where everybody's slow moving and the missiles are minus one on a D6. Um, that's actually a little bit more severe than some classic D&D &D rules like uh, chain mail or battle system. But just like you're saying, Paul, I want there to be an effect. 
I want you to know it. I want there to be a big, a big difference. And I think that half move is at least simple, right? It's not like two thirds or three quarters, something like that. I want the math to be easy. Um, so yeah, I have, I have fairly big swings for these three weather conditions. Interesting. Yeah. I mean, that's, that's great. I, it is nice. I think one of the things that, that jumped out at me about your table here is the, the, um, penalty to orcs and goblins, right? It's nice to see that sort of like, we are, you know, that, that twist of, of, uh, monster types that are used to living underground, right? And who are supposed to be nocturnal or or subterranean and that actually like don't like the sun. And like here it is. Here's a mechanic for you. They don't like like bright sunny days actually affects them. And it's nice for them when it's cloudy. Like yes, they want it to be dark out. They would rather do night fights for whatever that's worth. And I get I get nice gameplay out of this. I mean the the minus one is literally what's in chain mail to begin with in the first place. Um, and I get nice gameplay because then for the, um, the budgeting, uh, which is, a, which is probably the biggest piece of work that I do, right? Goblins and orcs are cheaper because mm. half the time they're disadvantaged like this. Therefore, if, if you are a goblin orc player, you're going to wind up at the table with a much larger mob of, of creatures that are effectively, uh, weaker because of this. So it just kind of magically makes things balanced and look at the table kind of the way that you expect for your fantasy army game. Do you ever do you ever deal with night raids? And is, is there is there ever been a, a book of war game that is intentionally set as this happens in the middle of the night? What a great question! You know, I, I th th this was on my mind at one point, and I actually went to um, Stack Exchange World Building and ask this question and get some really great thoughtful feedback about that. And the interesting consensus was the following. Uh, let's say you had a, a, a men versus orcs armies maneuvering in the field. Um, medieval battles are usually taking place in the summer. The only time mm -hmm. that you can raise your armies that they're free is in the summertime and the summertime has longer daylight. For example, Taking northern France as an example, it never gets fully dark in high summer. It gets like dusk at the most. Therefore, men are going to have the advantage, you know, humans or dwarves or elves are going to have the advantage because most of the day during campaigning is light and it doesn't get very dark out. Um, therefore, you're probably not going to have many nighttime raids. Um, I actually have run one single uh, attack with Book of War on the Keep in the Borderlands. Where mm -hmm. in, um, I, if, I, if I take the numbers that are actually in the Keep of the Borderlands uh, adventure, the, the only way, like if you empty the entirety of the Cave of Chaos and run it at the Keep, the only way that they have any chance in hell is if they do it at night. Um, so I actually do this, this siege on the Borderlands where the humanoids come out, attack at night, and then it's about approximately a fair fight with yeah. the, with the yeah. defenses. Of I the mean, it's, it's, it's interesting because you have a side of the army who thinks totally differently from the other, right? And all the things we can gain from history, of course, doesn't have this, right? We have humans fighting humans. Right. So, so we, can, we unfortunately right. can't really model this on real-world settings because we just don't have people who are subterranean ever, you know, fighting fights. Yeah. Yeah. But, but this does jive with what I remember from when I was doing... Um, uh, revolutionary war reenactment there was a lot of discussion uh at that time of uh of how much more civilized warfare was during this time period because it was generally it was sort of almost just a known and i apologize this is this is a lot of this information I'm about to be out is stuff that was just told to me on site at at events so maybe some of this is apocryphal but um but that like you know they didn't fight in the rain because their guns didn't work and everyone was just like, that would be awful. Why would we, f why would we have a battle in the rain? Because nobody's guns are going to work. It's going to be gruesome and bloody and sloppy and nobody wants that. And, and likewise, like, like Washington crossing the Delaware was so shocking and such a big surprise because it happened in the middle of winter and you just didn't fight in the middle of winter. That just didn't happen. Right. Right. I agree. You know, in, in Book of War First Edition, I had a fourth um, weather condition for, for thunderstormy weather, stormy weather. Um, mm -hmm. And I, I, I took it out, A, to simplify things, and B, for exactly what you're talking about, Paul, is if it gets, if it gets super, super bad, then you're just not going to have a fight at all. But 
uh, like you're saying, I was reading about a siege of Constantinople, I believe, that was in the rain. And sure enough, and, and this would be in the era where uh, they had primitive guns, the guns couldn't fire. Uh, the mm -hmm. other side had composite bows that couldn't be used in the rain. And so they went and they dug into the arsenal that had really old crossbows. And that was the only thing that would work in the rain. Um, mm -hmm. That's kind of interesting. And I will say, you know, I've been I've been recently re re reading up on Hannibal's campaigns against Rome in the, the early Roman period. And more or less, if you if you want to if you want an executive summary about why Hannibal was so ferocious, is that he had his troops trained to move at night. And basically, and apparently nobody else ever thought of that or something. And so battle after battle after battle in Italy with Hannibal, the story is the Roman army went after Hannibal's position and then the, the sun came up uh, and then and, and noontime came and his army wasn't where he was supposed to be because he'd moved it at night and he was behind them <laughs> and he attacks them in the rear time and time and time again. It happens over and over again. The, the Roman army goes and like, oops, here's half of Hannibal's army that he hid overnight in the ravine or the woods or the swamp and they come boiling out where they're not supposed to be again over and yeah. over. Um, until until Fabian finally just says, "I'm not going after Hannibal ever, ever. <laughs> nothing, nothing can make me go after Hannibal ever because his army's never where you where it was when you saw it last." That's fascinating. Huh. Yeah, huh. very interesting. Um, okay, let's let's transition here into how this affects your tabletop RPG because I think that's like all of this makes a lot of sense to me when you were talking about war games and large forces. Right. And the interesting thing about it is when we switch into a role play context, right, you're talking about a small group going on an adventure with presumably some kind of, you know, some form of plot, whether that's immersive or, or sorry, whether that emerges from gameplay or something that the DM pre-wrote or whatever. Um, so uh, the interesting thing is, I think, in those cases, these um, these kind of big edge cases come out more. Right. Like you see adventures written that begin with the concept of like, there is a big storm, right? There is, this thing happens, right? This pass is now closed or whatever. And that becomes an important plot point in the adventure. And I think that for me is the most interesting impact of weather on a game. And I'm kind of curious for me, like that's, especially if I was, if I was running a campaign, this is where I would maybe want some tables or some data model to tell me what the weather's going to be like, because I want to use that as another point of input for my improvisation of like, Okay, well, what's going on? How does this impact the world? How does this impact the, the the current plot of what's going on? How does this impact the the environment that my players are currently in? Um, so so I'm 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 looking at things like like we mentioned uh, the I think it's M one is uh, the Blizzard Pass one. I don't know that that's hugely important, but it is. Yeah, it's a snowy environment, a pass that you're trying to travel gets snowed in. You end up having to go under. It's, a, I guess, an excuse to get the players underground, right? Um, but I was reading. Um, there's a there's a horror adventure. So uh, Hebanon Games wrote a series of, uh, or specifically uh, Caleb Stokes, uh, who who published under Hebanon Games, wrote a series of um, systemless horror role-playing games. Many of them are quite good. Uh, I ran, I've ran. i run one called Bryson Springs a bunch. I has another one that I've never run called Lover in the Ice, um, which I haven't run, and frankly, I don't think I ever will run. There are some elements in that plot of that that I'm not very comfortable with uh, that I wouldn't want to bring to a role-playing table. That aside, the premise of this game is that the players come to a Midwestern town immediately after it's been hit by a massive historically bad ice storm. And so, and this this happened, right? This is not a, not a unprecedented thing. It happened, and so you can have a, something set in modern day, and and yet travel is restricted, communications are restricted. Like the impact of this massive ice storm is felt widespread throughout the setting, right? Like cell towers are down, just because they're coated in ice, right? Uh, um, you know, roads are closed. I, I've personally experienced this kind of stuff, right? I remember, in fact, the one time I went to. Uh, Gary Khan, I almost didn't make it because there was a historically bad snowstorm the day before, right? And it was it was the skies were clear the day I was traveling, but I kept hitting road closures and I couldn't make it to the airport and I almost missed my plane. It was bad. It was I remember driving at one point the the exact opposite direction. I'm driving west in Massachusetts and I'm trying to get to the 
the airport, which is on the, the it's on the it's in Boston. It's on the coast, man. If you're driving west, you're going the wrong way. But I had no choice. I'm like, every other road is closed. I'm going to get on this giant highway so I can do this weird ping pong between big highways in the hopes that maybe they're clear. Wow. Holy smoke. Yeah, that was an intense journey, honestly, on my end. So like that kind of stuff, that's drama. And that's like, I don't know, that's exciting. And that's stuff I want in my role playing games. Agreed. Agreed. Yeah, so, I kind of want that, too. Yeah. 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 So I like stuff like that. The the um, the scenario I'm writing for Fearful Ends uh, features a a villain, a monster. I'm a, it's a bit of a spoiler here, but whatever. Go, go by the book, run this thing. It's going to be great. Hopefully, maybe if you're watching this, by the time you're watching this, maybe the actual play of us even playing the scenario is already out. You can go check it out. But the main monster actually does have the ability um, to impact the, the local weather system around it. And it causes rain and it causes flooding. And so the, like a lot of this, this uh, scenario is in this one specific location that is starting to flood. And so that's part of the, I think that really amps up some of the horror of the setting because as you're, as you're exploring it, it starts to flood. And then you're thinking, maybe I don't want to be here anymore. Am I going to drown? Maybe I need to get out of here. And it, it changes the setting, right? Like, um, also, there are other monsters that are um, aquatic. So that's fun <laughs> when suddenly you're having to walk through knee deep and then hip deep and then waist deep water and thinking, what was that swimming around me? That's great. I love that, actually. That's great. Yeah. 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 So I love stuff like that, right? Like road closures or flooding. Thinking, I don't know. Um, I, I want to think of there was one game I ran once where there was a, it was set in a, like a little castle, but the castle was built on the swamp and it was starting to sink. And so everything is crooked. Everything is at an angle and the lower levels yep. are flooded. Yep. Right. And so I, I love stuff like that. That's that's what that's where I want weather to impact my game. I don't know that it's always obvious. I feel like those things are usually written intentionally up front because somebody goes, wouldn't it be clever to run a game where you're in a castle that's starting to sink and the, the lower levels are, are flooded? Um, I don't know how you connect that to I'm running a campaign and I randomly rolled on a chart yeah. and now it's telling me that yeah. there is, you know, historically heavy rains happening for a week. But that's interesting. <laughs> I want this that. This is a very game. fair point. Right. This is a very fair point. And, and this is what we were talking at the start about having an A B section to this uh, to this mm -hmm. session. Because I kind of want I kind of want those things to be connected. And it's kind of it's yeah. it's somewhat beyond me to know unless unless the DM is entirely riffing on you're in this location, I'm going to riff off the weather tables and just entirely make it up on the fly, which would be pretty advanced, I guess, pretty advanced DMing for my taste. Um, yeah. Um, yeah. It does, it does seem of, like they're two separate concerns. Right. I kind of want a supplement that's not getting deep into the mathematical accuracy of weather, but more on the impact of weather. Right. So give me a table that says, you know, I just roll to see if it's like raining or sunny or whatever. Maybe maybe a little maybe I could have a little calendar where I check off, and so maybe there are some rules in there that say, well, if you've had three days of rain in a row, go to this page because here's some descriptions about what it's what what kind of flooding might happen when you've had three days of rain in a row. Yeah, uh, you know it, it, that it, we may not have time for this, but like you know, part of the if if you were to design a new weather system from scratch, right? Part of the the um, the design debate would be. Is it entirely, are your results independent every day? Can you just forget about what happened yesterday? Or are they chained together like you're talking about now? Do you need to record and remember what happened prior days? Um, you know, should you, should you pre-map you pre the weather entirely? Like, like yeah. the Spalding Oaks did? Um, yeah. And yeah, for probably me... Probably another reason... Go on. I think, like, for me, I'm at the point where I, I don't want to do the record keeping now. So for, for what it's worth for me, if I was going to do anything, I'd roll a, re a rainy result and then roll an additional die for some kind of super extra exceptional thing, maybe, for the role-playing game. Not going to do it in my war game, but for the role-playing game, I might do that. Yeah, I, I agree. I, this is maybe a case, I think, where, it like, an app would be preferable, right? Like, let's, you know, if you want... I think the software is really nice as a tool, I think, in role-playing games when it can take a lot of complexity and just boil it down. 
But you could probably do something like, say, maybe you're rolling for rain and then you roll for duration. So maybe you don't roll for weather every single day. I roll for rain. How many days is it going to rain for? Yeah, legit. Now I know, okay, so the next week it's going to be raining or is it just a little thunderstorm today and then it's passed? That's interesting. It's a legitimate model. It's a legitimate model. Yeah. Uh, yeah. You know, and me, I, I kind of, I to date, I still avoid uh, electronics behind my DM screen. And I could be behind the times on that. I could be making a big mistake. But I do, I do try to run things kind of mostly from memory with dice and paper. Um, and uh, I, to, at least to date, I have held off on, on digital aids. So for me, I'm looking for something simple enough I can practically just do it in my head. Mm-hmm. Yeah, well, I, th- I think you could do that rather than rather than record keeping, rather than having to roll every day and say, yep, it rained today. Yep, it rained yesterday. Yep, it rained the day before. OK, so now I need to do this thing. If you run, if you're just rolling into the future and saying, oh, it's going to rain for three days yeah. in a row, then you can say, OK, great. Well, now I don't have to roll anything for the next three days. I know exactly what the progression is going to be like, and I can describe day one, day two and day three. Yeah. That's maybe that's interesting. I don't know. I'm, I'm making this stuff up as I go. <laughs> I've never, you, you know, I will admit, we, I have never used weather in a role playing game ever, uh, except for these intentional ways, right? Like the intentional ways where it's pre written into the plot. I've never randomly rolled weather. I have never, you know, tried to track it, tracks, you know, its effect on the game. It just, it just seemed like a hassle to me. And so I just never did it. It's clearly not 100% essential, right? You can clearly run D&D or role-playing games without that. It's not absolutely required. It's not a crazy way to play it. Um, you know, I, I have gotten, as you know, I've gotten sucked into thinking about how would you model it in a way that's interesting. Um, and it does it does benefit my war game a lot, so I kind of like that. A while back, I will say, you know, Laura Sudo in the chat, maybe about 20 minutes back, said uh, what he thought is strange is that these weather systems don't have any unique fantasy elements. And yeah, there is a play, like in the Greyhawk weather system, there's there is a there's a footnote, like this particular storm. And then uh, let's see, there's a 10% chance that you go to the sub table and find out that today's weather is uh, created by elementals or giants or a monster or a demon or a devil or a deity or a battle between two or more entities. Um, but even that doesn't, isn't like affecting anything about what the weather's like, frankly. Um, I actually have had in the past, my players will know, I actually have had exceptional tables that again, actually come out from, come out of medieval reports where you might have things like fish, (laughs) like fish fog from the skies or blood or ash. Um, and which on the one hand kind of gave some spice, but, uh, kind of like, you know, random setting tables in the DMG. Um, the problem is my my players wanted to follow up on it, wanted to ask the question, why are fish falling today? And to be perfectly frank, at the time, I didn't have an act. It was just, well, that's the result on the table. Um, right, right. So yep, yep. it, it kind of distracted. It kind of distracted. Like, it looks like here's a big, important session-changing thing that I should be able to explain. And I, I moved away from that because I didn't I didn't immediately have an explanation for these things that were distract reasonably, you know, ought to have, have an explanation. I have used in the past for anything like weather or uh, what time of year is it, right? Those kind of questions. If I didn't plan that out ahead of time, which often I don't, so I'm just running a game and some suddenly some player decides it's important for whatever reason to ask me, well, what time of year is it? Or what is the weather like outside? Uh, I use the look out the window method, which is I just describe what's happening right now. I go, well, well, it's it's gorgeous and sunny in midsummer. And uh, there was just a heat wave last week, but now it's cooled off a little. Boom, look at that. That's, that's someone, great, right? <laughs> I believe someone predicted that in chat. I'm sorry, I, I, yeah, I didn't catch yeah. who said that 30 minutes ago, but somebody else said that as well. Reasonable, smart, yeah. right? Efficient, yeah, yeah, elegant. Well. I love it. <laughs> yeah, it's great. You get a lot of detail and you don't have to do any work at all. Um, and, and, you know, I've used that in campaigns more, uh, less for weather. Occasionally I use it for weather. Uh, but I've used it more for like what time of year is it? And I've done that for long running campaigns. And the nice thing is that kind of gives a one to one pacing of game world time to real time. And then I don't worry about stuff like, well, the past three sessions, you know, we never got out of this dungeon and really technically only one day has passed versus then we get to town and suddenly three weeks passes in the blink of an eye. 
And I just kind of assume eh, it all kind of evens out roughly the time of, you know, and we don't really care. Is it September 1st or is it September 8th? Like, no, nobody cares about that. (laughs) Nobody cares. No one one here. No one on this stream gives a shit about that. All I care about is like, what season is it? Right. I I can hand wave it. Generally accurate. I'm freaking dead out. <laughs> you cannot have a meaningful campaign if accurate time records are not kept. You know this. Uh, we know this. Uh, I, I know that that is, in fact, dead wrong because I have had a meaningful campaign where I did not keep accurate time records. <laughs> a heresy. Heresy, I claim, sir. Oh, my goodness. Yeah. yeah. Oh, my God. Good grief. <laughs> That's good, Dan. I'm glad, I'm glad I was able to turn it around from the beginning with you showing me thousands of pages of weather prediction <laughs> systems oh boy yeah yeah you know yeah. let me let me just touch on let me, yeah. let me just touch on for a couple minutes before we get done the fact that this yeah. also ties into as i kind of alluded at the start this also ties into your spell your magic system in dnd uh because like i said in original dnd volume one the the final the ultimate spell in the wizard's list is control weather and so that's that's on the wizard's list. It's it's something that's that's there. And it, you know, as we said, this can possibly impact your magic, your war game, your wilderness explanation, your role playing game, everything like that. So it's you'd kind of like to have that dialed into something reasonable. And in early editions and even kind of now, it's all over the damn place. Um, maybe pull up my last my 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 screenshot with the um, with the green <clears throat> the green dot there. So at the at the top here you see it's only you see the original D&D description again the the ultimate highest level spell in the game control weather the magic user can perform any one of the following weather control operations with the spell rain stop rain cold wave heat wave tornado stop tornado deep clouds clear sky period the end and there's no effects to any of that stuff, and there's no duration of that any stuff, and there's no range of the spell. That's literally it. So how that gets, and it's very powerful, right? If I, you know, if if I if I'm facing archers or whatever, I can come in with control weather, just like nope, tornado, bam, you're done. Your army's your army's gone, I guess. Um, yeah. Which is one yeah. of the things I've been working on trying to tweak and tune in, in Book of War, for example. So what happens in, in, you know, when you get the, the basic versus advanced bifurcation, they go in totally different directions on interpreting that. And what happens in, you know, our favorite uh, Moldvay Cook, uh, you know, BX expert, is they keep all of these effects, they give them specific details, and they have a very small range to it. It only works within 240 feet of the wizard. Okay. But then that okay. 240 feet, powerful potent effects in advance they went in the other direction actually following swords and spells and it's a huge area effect it lasts for up to 48 hours and it affects up to 16 square miles but they massively dialed down the effect is that you can only adjust the sky cover and the heat and the wind by a very small adjustment so um, what these tables are showing us, if it's currently uh, partly cloudy, you could make it clear or cloudy, but you can't make it rain. That's too much for the spell. If it's currently yeah. uh, hot weather, you could make it warm or sweltering, but you can't make it cool or cold. It would have to be something else for that. So very totally different directions yeah. on that between with, with advanced here, keeping it you know war game based, it's going to affect a whole battle if you have armies, but a, a tiny, almost imperceptible adjustment in in the, the the condition of the weather. That seems very disappointing to me for such a high level spell. I have to say, that very disappointing because I remember. Let me give you another counter example. I remember a game. I think maybe this is in Stonehell. I can't totally remember. At least I was playing Stonehell when this came up, but maybe they got the magic item somewhere else. But my party had found a magic item that was a cloak that kept you warm and comfortable regardless of the weather around you and i think i'm sure that's just a, a rip off of something in tolkien right but basically it was like if it's raining or if it's too hot or too cold you're fine you're wearing the cloak you feel good and one of the players got it and of course they wanted you know they wanted some benefit they wanted to lord it over the other players of like oh look how comfy i right. am 
right? Look how cozy right. I am. I, I'm not affected by this. And I was like, yeah, but none of the other characters really are affected by it either, right? Only in the very, only if they're really willing to dive in and role play and be like, oh, it's so cold, Brr. right? <laughs> Which they generally didn't do. Yeah. So the one player, unfortunately, who has the magic item is left kind of having this item that kind of does nothing. It's kind of pointless. Yep, totally feel that. Totally feel that. I think there's also like Autoluke's um, sphere spell, which originally was just like it makes the temperature nice. And then in later editions, like they turned it into an actual defensive spell, which is which is different. A um, couple of people in the chat are wondering exactly where I got this text to the big advanced uh, D&D spell. And if you look in the first edition advanced uh, player's handbook, magic user control weathers at sixth level and it just says go look at the druid spell right there's a whole bunch of cross references in the book at this point so mm. the actual description yes you guys are correct i've copied out of the druid spell list and and so Dan, um, which, which do you prefer which do you prefer the the bx interpretation or the or the ad and d interpretation I like or something neither. in between. I like something in between. Yeah. So, so what I do, what I what I personally do in Book of War is that control weather affects the whole battlefield and can adjust your weather condition one step. Mm -hmm. Sunny, what, cloudy, what, rainy. Right. So, if it's, what do you do for Book of Spells, or possibly I think I know where the answer is. Same this is going to be. I try to okay. synchronize all these things, and honestly, it's the big the fact that this affects all of my games. Right, Book of Spells, Book of War, OED, right? They're all affected specifically just by how does control weather work, and it's the <laughs> it's the one linchpin that um, that, that 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 attaches all of these things all together for OED. And I have I have I attempted to labor to make it simple and useful in all of these contexts. So the intent is it's the same everywhere. Okay. Okay. So, so I something, like, I like it being the big, I like it being war yeah. gamey, but I like it to be usable. So I take right. inspiration from this. You're adjusting something a couple steps, but but that step has to make a difference. Yeah, that makes sense. Okay, is my instinct. Maybe we should well, just check about, on fifth. Uh, we, I was going to say, Dan, that we're that we're like we have two minutes. Do you is two minutes? This is these, these are your final enough. thoughts That's moments. Good. I was about to ask for. Yeah. All right. All right. Just to take a look at it. Here's the fifth edition weather. It's pretty simple, mm -hmm. right? Again, it has these same, notice it has these same three categories that first edition did. Temperature, wind, precipitation. So it's three same categories. And the control weather spell, sure enough, does the same thing. And it adjusts them by one step at a time. The one difference here in fifth edition is you can keep adjusting it. Every 10 minutes or so, you can keep mm -hmm. adjusting the spell. So, and it, has a it still has a large range. So given enough time, you can definitely blast any city with an Arctic storm if you want to, if somebody doesn't, doesn't come out and stop you. That's pretty powerful. Mm -hmm. It is at a higher level now. It's now eighth level. But very similar DNA from first edition, actually, which honestly kind of surprised me, mm. to be frank. And that's how they do it. That's how they do it today. Again, very closely tied into that really stuff. So my final thoughts are personally, I want weather to be interesting. It needs to be simple at the table, and it needs to have a direct effect on the game. If if you if it doesn't make any difference if the temperature is 54 degrees Fahrenheit versus 55 degrees Fahrenheit, do not obviously do not spend any time resolving that difference. It's it's it, yep. it, 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 the result can't be it's 72 degrees Fahrenheit and then look at another table for the effect. The effect needs to be it is warm, and you immediately know what the effect is. So that's that's my current thesis is simple. And if it's not having an impact on your gameplay, it's got to go. Hmm. Interesting. Interesting. Um, hmm. Hmm. Yeah, for me, I feel like there's still the missing component that I've never seen in any system that I really want is the the longer term effect, especially for more severe weather. I want to know, you know, how does this impact travel? How does this impact? uh vision how does this right like what 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 are the big what are the big picture things that this is going to do um so that i can either incorporate it into my campaign or use it as inspiration for some new content that i'm writing um yeah i don't know 
I guess I'm, I'm, I'm pretty wishy-washy here on this, but uh, uh, viewers, if you have <laughs> thoughts on what you want out of a weather system, how detailed, how what what impact, what effect, do you know of a, of a, a supplement out there that you've used for other RPGs that solve some of these problems? Let us know. Leave a comment here in the YouTube video and uh, we'll check it out and, and possibly uh, discuss it in the future. Definitely. And of course, remember that you can like, follow, and subscribe to us. We're on YouTube, Twitch, Twitter, Facebook, GitHub, and TikTok. And we have the handle Wandering DMs on all those sites. So look for this here and you get updates on upcoming shows. If you prefer to listen to our show in audio-only podcast format, you can find those podcasts on our website at wanderingdms.com. You can also find our podcast through various podcast carriers, such as Google Podcasts, iTunes, Spotify, all, all those places, lots of them that I'm not thinking of. If you are listening to this show right now through a third-party podcast carrier and they offer the ability to do so, please rate and review our show. That helps other users of that site find our show, and we really appreciate it. Yeah, we really do. And, of course, a big thanks to our patrons who support the show here. If you'd like to join them, please visit patreon.com slash Like Paul said at the top of the show, we love every time we have a show, we hang out in our video chat on Discord for continued conversation, get ideas that went by too fast in the chat from our viewers. Um, and so we'll be there in about 10 minutes on our Discord server. So we'd love to see you there. Uh, coming up with this week, uh, Thursday, I'll be back playing more Pool Radiance. I, I'm really clear. I think I already beat the game, actually. I, I beat Terrence Texas last week. So I think I'm done. So I'm just, I'm just looking for the celebration party, I think, is what ought to happen Thursday at 8.30 p.m. And that'll be the end of Pool Radiance. So I'm really looking forward to my party having that big celebration. <laughs> Yeah, tune in for that. That's what happened. <laughs> I can't wait to see it. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And so, so don't forget, we're live every Sunday at 1 p.m. Eastern time. So join us again next week for another thought-provoking discussion. We'll see you then.